Hi, I'm Irwin McManus, and I want to welcome you to the Mosaic Podcast. I want to also bring you into some exciting things that are happening here. If you go to the Mosaic app, you will learn about our conference coming up this year, about MSC's new album and their tour across the country, and you can learn how to connect and be more involved in Mosaic in so many different ways. And by the way, we now have the Mosaic YouTube channel, and you can go access not only these talks, but other fresh and new materials that are being created specifically for that channel. And so if you want to be connected in a richer and fuller way, uh, not only be a part of the podcast, get to the Mosaic app and get to the channel. And we'll see you there. Christine was pregnant with Parker. That's when we uh, decided to really make Mosaic our home and attend and come and dive in um, every Sunday. When we first became parents, we fell into a time of financial crisis. We weren't expecting uh, so many expenses to come up. We needed financial advice, so we went to a planner and they looked over our situation and they said, oh, this is easy. You just need to cut your tithing. And we both looked at each other and we said, no, that's not going to happen. That's not us. I knew God was calling us to something and that was exactly what we didn't want to hear. And we knew that that wasn't us, that that's not part of our story. And it may sound crazy, but we actually gave more. We increased our giving. We increased our giving. God showed us what he had in mind. Um, And with that, he met us in our faith. Um, And that summer became the most productive summer at my office um, at the same exact time. In in that same summer, um, our company landed a really huge client that to this day is providing such solid um, income. So It's just amazing how God um, just meets us. Yeah. Meets us at our faith, really. The more that we dove in and the more that we became all in, the more He showed up for us in terms of blessing us with uh, friends and community that we would have never found otherwise. Because we've seen the lives transformed. We've seen campuses grow. We're here in South Pasadena now. And Venice is coming up. Um, We've seen conferences show up and that change people's lives. To be able to be part of that, we'll do it because we believe in this place. When we all think that way and give sacrificially with that spirit, I can't wait (laughs) to see how God is going to move us. We're the (laughs) Kinos. And love built this. So today is Foundation Sunday. And in the short times in my life where I worked in construction, which I did, and built buildings, which I did, and laid foundations, which I did, I learned something very quickly. Experts, those individuals who build foundation after foundation after foundation, they can walk through the foundation of a building and tell you what the building's going to look like. Now, I was not able to do that. I could just see a large piece of concrete. But they would walk me through and tell me where the bedrooms are and the bathrooms are and the living room, the dining room, they tell me where the offices were. In fact, some of them were so imaginative they could almost see where everyone was going to experience a life. The foundation was for them a picture of the future. Little by little, time after time, I began to discover how to see the future through the foundation. Our theme for this next year is love built this. I can't stop my imagination from reeling of the possibilities of what a future could look like 
that is built by love. And as we step into this moment, I I want us to to realize that, that even that which love would build requires a foundation upon which it builds. The foundation on which love builds is sacrifice. The choices we make today, the sacrifices we make in this moment, have a direct impact on the future that we create for those who desperately need a future and hope. This past uh, Monday, I was in New York City, and, and Mariah was my date, and we went to the Charity Water Ball. And, and it was one of those beautiful moments because we've been involved with them for so many years. I've known the founder, Scott Harrison, for probably at least a decade. Brought him out here years and years ago. It was a part of the well, and we were one of the investors in, in helping Charity Water grow and flourish, raise tens of millions of dollars if not hundreds of millions of dollars, to bring clean water around the world. It was astonishing for me to watch Scott in about an hour raise $4.6 million. It was incredible. Focusing on digging wells, providing water in Cambodia and Ethiopia, facing completely different challenges, and just watching that Ticker changed as the numbers kept increasing and increasing and increasing. And one of the things I noticed was even at, at the table I was sitting at, it, it was such an incredibly eclectic group that might not ever sit together at a meal except to do some common good. There I was, the, the pastor of Mosaic. Next to me was someone who actually came to faith at Mosaic. Next to me on the other side was someone who did not believe in God. There was a couple there. He was an atheist. She's a Jewish Buddhist, and, and I thought, this group of people might never sit together except to do some common good in the world. And I thought, it's a beautiful thing that the founder is actually a follower of Jesus, inviting and challenging people, whether they are Buddhist or Hindus or Muslims or Christians or atheists or agnostics, to do something good together. And, and that's, that's who we are as a community. We've always find, found a way to sit at the table with people who completely disagree with us to do good in the world. And whether it's been through charity water, digging wells, or through Habitat for Humanity, building homes, whether it's been through UNICEF, helping children across the world, it's amazing the things that we as a community have partnered with other organizations, World Vision to work with refugees and on the border of Lebanon and Syria. Wherever there's been a crisis, Mosaic has found a way to partner with people across this planet, never using our faith as an excuse to divide us but always using our faith as the fuel to unite us. But one thing I know is that there's a certain table that, that while we may sit at other tables, they would not choose to sit at ours. Because you see, no one else on this planet has the responsibility of taking the hope and life of Jesus to the world but us. It's no one else's responsibility. It's ours. While we will do many other things that are so powerful and meaningful around the world with other groups, when Jesus says, I've come to bring hope and life to the world, when, I, when Jesus says, I've not come to condemn the world, but to bring the world life, when Jesus chose to give his life as a sacrifice on the cross, when he rose from the dead, he gave this assignment 
singularly to the church. No one else is responsible for this but us. And so there are moments like this on Foundation Sunday where we have to say, you know, we need to bear this. We need to take this on. This is our mission. We know that humanity desperately needs to be connected to the God who loves them. We understand that people are being crushed under the weight of guilt and shame, that people are drowning in their despair and anxiety and emptiness. And there's a God who loves them, who sees them, that people need to know they matter. People need to know there's a God who's for them, and they need to know the church is there. To love them and care for them and to lift them up to live the life they were created to live. This is our responsibility. And so there. And I think one of the great tragedies is that the church has been historically known as the institution who clings to the past rather than the movement that creates the future. And that's why Mosaic is so important. That's why what we're doing together is so critical. That's why this foundation matters because you cannot build on love if you don't have the foundation of sacrifice. There's a moment in the book of Ezra that I think really applies to what we're giving ourselves to today. And I want to be really clear. The end game today is giving. It's generosity. It's sacrifice. Now, for some of you, it's going to be different than giving money. There's some of you here. This is the moment you're going to cross the line of faith, and you're going to give your life to Jesus. You're going to go, how in the world did I end up giving my life to Jesus when he's talking about giving? It's because the stuff you love, it weighs on your soul. And Jesus basically lets us know that, that where our money is, that's where our heart is. And so some of you are here, and today's going to be the moment where you just, you don't, it, it goes beyond money. You just, you just decide to give your life to Jesus. And by the way, it's the greatest exchange. I don't understand Bitcoin. <laughs> Yesterday, one of our friends was explaining Bitcoin to me because her husband has started a Bitcoin mining company. I don't know how you mine for Bitcoin. It's just so confusing to me. And, and, and she's explaining to me the commodities, and I don't know where you cash in Bitcoin or, or cash out. I'm not sure. I don't understand how Bitcoin works, but I know how Jesus works. So you give him your life, and he gives you his life, and the exchange is unfair. <laughs> Disproportionate. So here you have this moment in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. And what's happened here is that the, 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 the people of Israel were under captivity of the Babylonians, and the Babylonians got angry because of the Israeli insurrection, and so they destroyed the temple. This temple that Solomon built, this temple that was, in many ways, the, the, the cultural, artistic apple of their eye, it was the most sacred expression of their relationship to God. Solomon's temple, if it existed today, would be one of the wonders of the world. But it was God. And if you go back and you read, you realize that there's such meticulous, detailed care in the building of that temple. And there's such great wealth that was applied to the building of that temple. And Solomon's legacy was built on that temple. It was gone. And not, not a full generation had passed. About 50 years had passed. And, and so there are still people alive who remembered that temple. They remembered the glory years. And that only added to the pain of the reality in which they lived. But now the world has shifted. The Babylonians were gone. The Persians have come. 
And they have an opportunity to rebuild the temple. And this is where the story picks up in verse 3. It says, On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. And so they had not yet laid the foundation of the temple, but they were about to lay the foundation of the temple. But it says, then they gave money. I like the fact that it's in there. Just so clear. They gave money to the masons and carpenters. They gave food and drink and olive oil to the people of Sidon Tyre so that they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa and authorized by King Cyrus, king of Persia. So here they have this pagan king who's actually authorizing the rebuilding of the temple. History is so unpredictable. In the worst moments, the best things can happen. God just moves in the reality of human history. But I think it's important that we realize that the temple had not yet been built, but they were already offering burnt offerings to God. See, they were not waiting to worship until they had a temple. They were already worshiping, and so they longed to build a temple. See, I think a lot of times, the reason we have almost a visceral response in a negative way to structures and institutions and buildings is because we've experienced the emptiness and the hollowness of religion without reality. But they had the reality first. They were already worshiping God. They were offering burnt offerings to the Lord. They didn't need to wait on the temple to exist. Their hearts longed to connect to God. They longed to worship him. And so there was just this natural outflow that said, we need to rebuild the temple. And the reason for that is because you build what you love. See, the reality is when you're talking about love built this, what you love is what you will build. And if you don't love other people, you will never build in other people. If you only love yourself, you will only build into yourself. If you only love things, you only buy things. If you only love possessions, you will only purchase possessions. If you only want fame or prestige or if you want power, whatever it is, that's what you're going to build. So you can look at the very structure of your soul, the values that hold your heart. That's the foundation of what you're going to build. And so they longed to build a temple because they were already worshipers. You build what you love. And so they gave their money. I do think it's interesting that usually the number one accusation of any kind of spiritual space, any kind of religious space, any kind of church experiences, you know, they're always talking about money. But they actually are not always talking about money. It's just the only time you're listening. See, usually we are listening for the things that will prove to us that we don't have to change. And, and, and since one of the core human issues is greed, the moment someone starts talking to us about the things we want to hold on to, we begin to resist it. And the reason it just was so natural, they, they gave their money to the masons and carpenters and gave their food and drink and olive oil to the people of Sidon so that they could bring cedar logs, so they could actually do this thing, is that they were giving naturally out of their love because the foundation that love builds on is sacrifice. Yesterday we were, um, we had a long day yesterday. Yesterday morning we had breakfast with the senior adults. You may not know this, but Mosaic actually has senior adults. <laughs> they just don't look like other senior adults. They're, they're kind of like pre, pre, pre hipsters. 
I, I, I tried to put, those are our senior adults right there. Keep rolling. They were doing cool, rad, bad, dope way before we were born. And they're the people that build the foundation upon which we actually benefit. Now, I don't know if you can tell, but they're from a different generation. They probably don't listen to hip hop. They probably don't really understand trip hop. They don't know Depeche Mode was ever a band. They think U2 is U2 and me. They're not sure what Coldplay is. It's a remedy for arthritis. And they don't even know who Beyonce and Jay-Z is. British royalty. But you know what they know? That they were not here for themselves. They were here for you. They were here for the generations to come. Those people, they follow us around for the last 20 plus years. They've gone from location to location, place to place. They used to meet in a nightclub the prince used to own. And every time they were inconvenienced, every time they were moved, shuttled from one room to another room, from another space to another space, they never complained. They just became our most faithful givers because they were building a foundation built on love. See, they can say over and over again, love built this. Long before Mosaic was ever an idea or a dream in any of our hearts and minds, it was a prayer that they prayed in the privacy of their own homes. You build what you love. And in fact, I I found out this week that that they've moved now from Hollywood to South Pasadena because they always go to the new location. They like being on the edge. And I found out this week that there are no bathrooms on the ground floor and that most of them don't have the strength anymore to climb the two stories to the really wrecked and nasty bathroom on the second floor. So I just whispered over to come and said, you know, one of our first priorities is going to build a bathroom on the main floor so that you guys can keep meeting there. And they were like, thank you. Because one of the things that love does is it doesn't build for yourself, it builds for others. It looks beyond our own convenience. And, and one of the things about Foundation Sunday, I want to be so clear. I'm not asking you to give money so that church can be more convenient for you or more comfortable for you or easier for you. See, if you've already experienced the life-changing presence of Jesus, it doesn't need to get any easier for you. It doesn't need to be any more convenient for you. What we need to do is we need to build foundation for those who do not know that God loves them. So I'm going to give you a list because I don't usually do this, but I'm going to give you just a little quick list here because you build what you love. There's a church in Miami, Florida that our community financed the starting of that church. And they're only three years old and they have maybe four or 5,000 people coming. And when we moved toward our foundation Sunday this week, they sent us a check for $5,000. I thought it was awesome. It's like one of our children. Isn't that awesome? I mean, if you're a parent, can you imagine your kids going, hey, it's my turn? I mean, it's, I'm imagining it, but it's just like, you know. And <laughs> Boo Church, like one of our children, just sent $5,000. We have a couple in our church, I won't say their names, so they know they want to remain nameless. They've been here for years and years and years and years. They work in the film industry. 
And, and they sent me a text and an email telling me how Mosaic has changed their lives and their family's life. Said, so we just want you to know we're in. We probably won't see you tomorrow, but, but we're going to give $5,000 today and we're going to give $5,000 in January. So this one couple is giving $10,000 here. We have a, another family. They're all the way in Kelowna, Canada. Canadians. I mean, who would ever guess? Like, Canadians don't even like Americans. I, you know, it's like, you know, the exchange is not favorable. So they sent, they, they sent $29,000, which was converted to $21,000. So a family from Canada, not even in our country, just sent $21,000 for the foundation. We have a guy in Orange County. Every opportunity I have, I mock Orange County. Every chance I have, I'm making fun of OC, but we can't get rid of them. And, and uh, they're, they're, they're so committed to what God is doing here. And he committed $50,000. And so we, we, this week, we, he sent $21,000 of Tesla stock to fulfill his commitment of $50,000. I wanted that stock. <laughs> Just be able to say, I have Tesla stock. That's so cool. There was a church in Frisco, Texas. I didn't even know a place called Frisco existed. Wow. And, and this pastor has been trying to connect with me for at least 10 years. In fact, he said, you know, I've been trying to be your friend for 10 years. He goes, but you just never respond. And i like, I've been, I've been busy. You, you know, and he goes, that's okay, I'm patient. He goes, I've been waiting for 10 years. One day we're going to be friends. I just think we're supposed to be friends. And I'm like, okay, you know. And, and then they came to our conference to be friends. They just, he came with the son. They hung out and said, we're just so happy to be here. We just, we, just, we just love Mosaic and what Mosaic is doing in the world. And would you come to Frisco and speak? And so I went. And, uh, and it was amazing. But, you know, I, I didn't wake up one morning going, I want to go to Frisco. I just thought, these are incredible people. They're just so beautiful. And I just have to go. So I went to Frisco, Texas. And when I finished speaking... Pastor Keith Kraft got up on stage and he said, we, we are so committed to Mosaic and we believe so much in what God is doing in Hollywood through Mosaic that our church is going to commit $60,000 to Mosaic. And, and so so he, he's my friend now. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he's your friend, you just don't know it. And by the way, these are all stories, except for one, of people who don't come to Mosaic. Yeah. Uh, the, the couple that are number one biggest giver and number three biggest giver, they don't give together. I'm not sh- sure why, but they're a husband and wife. But I'm glad to give separately because they're our number one and number three biggest giver. And they, they, they told me this week they have never walked into Mosaic in the last seven years. They've never even been here. They've never walked in here and experienced what they give to sacrificially and generously. Isn't that incredible? I want you to know this because there are people all over the world who believe in what God is doing here. What God is doing through you and through me, through us together. And, and I, I felt this was important and we don't usually do this, but I, I share with you how this TV show ended up taking over the street and inconvenienced us and, and then offered to compensate us for our troubles. And, 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 and so then they first offered us like, I think, $2,000. And then just talking, we didn't try to negotiate. We just said, great. Then they offered us $3,500. And, and it was funny. It, it was a reverse like negotiation. Uh, I, I didn't ask them for anything and they just kept giving us more. <laughs> but we, I, we, we told them, look, 
whatever you give, we're just going to give it to our church, to Mosaic. And so we plan on giving it today for Foundation Sunday because sometimes money comes in that you didn't expect. And a lot of times you go, oh, I get to buy another one of these. And it really is God going, no, I'm trusting you to pass this on to where I need it to go. So I, we knew we were just conduits to Mosaic. But, but before that 3500 Kim and I had ready to have a conversation, and we already went to the bank. We, we, didn't have a, we didn't have, like, discretionary money just sitting around. But we knew we had equity on our house, so we went to the bank, and, and, uh, and we um, took $50,000 from our home. And our foundation giving is $53,500. And the reason I want you to know that is because we're not affluent It's not about how rich you are. It's how generous you choose to be. And and I think that there's some of you here, I'm just going to challenge you. There's some of you here, you're way better off than us financially. And you're going to give, you were planning to give a lot less, but right now, you're rethinking it. And I I, I want 10 of you to to match that 50,000. And I want maybe 10 of you to just you know, to go over it, 100,000, half a million, whatever, you know, you're feeling. And uh, <laughs> because the interesting thing about it is that, is that generosity is supposed to spring from your own desire, your own joy. It's never supposed to be out of obligation because you build what you love. And I realize that this, this week is really meaningful to me because this next Friday... See, this week is the week they told me a year ago I had cancer. This was the week they told me on, on the 15th that I had cancer, and the 16th we had our staff Christmas party, and we didn't let our staff know, and everyone's celebrating in our house and experiencing so much joy, and my family was just so burdened with this news. It was a hard Christmas, so I'm just going to be really frank with you. It was one of the more difficult times in our life. And I'm sort of going, I'm here a year later. So it means that I'm not supposed to be here remembering the past, but building the future. And it tells us that, that the people who came together, it says, and all, verse 8, who had returned from captivity to Jerusalem began the work. I also think that sign is important. They appointed Levites 20 years old and older. You are not too young to begin a pattern of generosity and sacrifice in your life. You can begin now. But I think it's so important that it says the people who actually did this were the ones who had returned from the captivity and began to work. And I want you to realize that when Jesus sets you free, you are not free just to exist. You are set free to do a great work. They returned from captivity, and they knew there was a reason to live. See, I know this. The fact that I'm alive means there's still something important that must be done. The fact that you're taking up oxygen means that your life matters, and there's something we're supposed to do together that will absolutely reshape the course of humanity's future. And I don't know if you're paying attention, but the world is not doing okay right now. Our nation is not doing well. We are in a moment of cultural crisis that is perhaps unparalleled in our lifetime. And this is the moment. And let's just say it the way it is. The church is a disaster right now. And so if we look backwards, all we can do is lament. 
Which is why it's so important to look forward because right this moment we can decide that we will not be defined by the past. We will not even be defined by the present. We're going to get busy creating a future that the world desperately needs. All who returned from captivity began the work. So if you have been set free, I'm talking to you. If you know that you were in captivity and the power and love of Jesus has set you free, I'm talking to you. If you've experienced the life that only Jesus can bring, I'm talking to you because this is your calling. You are set free to do a great work. And as they join together in supervising those working on the house of God, we don't usually use that language unusual language even for the temple now we know god doesn't need a house the universe is too small for god so clearly the house they're building is not because god needs a place but because humanity needs a place we're spatial creatures houses once humans inhabit them become homes Humans are, are spatial. You ever walk into a, a restaurant or a cafe and it just feels cold? You're like, I, I, just, I don't even feel like I belong here. Then suddenly you walk into a restaurant or a cafe and it just feels so warm and inviting. It feels like it's the place you belong all your, belonged all your life. We humans are so spatial. We're, we, we, we are designed for community. And this house that God was having them build wasn't for him, it was for them. And by the way, the reason we need to build on this foundation going forward, it's not for us. It's for others. Last night, at the end of the day, began with the senior adults, it ended with the, um, all the refugee families who've come from around the world that Mosaic has opened its doors and become their family. And, and our house is full of followers of Jesus from Mosaic and and Muslims from all over the world, enjoying food together, enjoying life together. And for the first time in their life, most of them were introduced to Santa Claus. <laughs> we're trying to explain Christmas to them. And Kim is sharing with them about Jesus. And, and we're having this beautiful conversation about who God is, about who Jesus is, who the church is. And I can tell you that when we have come together as the church, we create a place called home. And it allows our friends who are Muslims to see what it looks like when people are changed by Jesus. And one of the men from Afghanistan, he said to Kim, or said to Scott Reynolds, Scott and Amy Reynolds, and it's such a beautiful thing to see Scott and Amy Reynolds and their family there. Scott was a writer on Dexter. That's for me is like so amazing. You have a guy writing on Dexter about a serial killer who kills serial killers sitting next to a Muslim telling him about the love of Jesus. <laughs> Only in Hollywood. <laughs> and Scott sends Kim a text and says what he said, this Muslim from Afghanistan, is without Mosaic, we would be lost. Without Mosaic, I would be lost. 
I love that. See, I think there are thousands upon thousands of people who would say that already. Without Mosaic, I would be lost. See, I, I think there's so many individuals who have walked in here, so many families who came, who've come into this place, people whose marriages had fallen apart like Jonathan and Erica, and who had no future and no hope, but they came into a community, into a place, into a church. Because when we come together, this building becomes a church. It's just brick when we're not here. But when we're together, we're, we're a community that brings people hope. <laughs> we're going to work to build a different kind of future. And, and that future comes when we realize we've been set free to create it, to do a great, great work. And it goes on in verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, it says they, they took their places to praise the Lord. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good, His love toward Israel endures forever. And this is beautiful because they began by sacrificing. At first, there was no foundation built. And then they began working to build the foundation. And it just broke out in spontaneous celebration of life. Saying, God is so good. And you can interchange here because it says, it says his love toward Israel endures forever. And that's beautiful. They were singing that. But you know what? We need to be singing his love toward Los Angeles endures forever. See, we need to be singing this song. His love toward Venice Beach endures forever. His love toward Santa Monica endures forever. His love for South Pasadena, it endures forever. His love for Whittier endures forever. His love for Mexico City endures forever. But I want you to know something. There's some of you here, your, your life is on a psychological plateau. You, you don't really feel deeply. Maybe it's because you've been hurt, you've been wounded, you're afraid to love, you're afraid to trust, you're afraid to feel deeply. But because of that, you're also numbed in your soul. You're so numb, you don't feel the fullness of life. You, you don't see the richness of colors. You don't smell the wonder of aromas. You don't taste the textures of flavors because you're, you've become numb to the beauty of life and of being fully alive. And I want you to realize that that celebration comes to those who sacrifice. See, the reason they could celebrate and sing and say God is so good is not because suddenly God was good. He didn't go, I need to step up my game and be a good God. Not just like an average God. You know, I've been sort of coasting as God and I created everything. I'm like, whoa, let me just chill for a while. See, see God is always good, but we're not always capable of experiencing his goodness. Now, I want you to know that the moment you decide in your life to move from simply taking to giving, the moment you decide to break free of greed and live a life of generosity, the moment you decide that you're going to make sacrifice the foundation of your life and you're going to let love build this, you're going to begin to experience life more beautifully, more profoundly, more powerfully. You're going to be able to celebrate and enjoy. And the joy you've been searching for that has been so elusive to you will begin to overwhelm you. To some of you, you're so overwhelmed by life, you're filled with despair and depression, you're anxious, you're stressed out, you feel the hollowness of your soul, and you can't figure out why. It's because if you don't sacrifice for anything, nothing will bring fulfillment to your life. That's why I think so many of us are drowning. We're trying to live for the pleasure of this moment. And if this moment doesn't meet up to your standards, you give up on the meaning of life. 
And that's why it's so important to build a legacy. That's why it's important to give yourself to something that lives beyond you. And then it says this in verse 11. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Man, that, that's, my, that's my prayer for today. My dream. My hope. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord. Because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept out loud when they saw the foundation of this temple laid. While others, by many others, shouted with joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. This is one of those unusual moments. What's going on here? They see the foundation of the temple and suddenly all these people begin sobbing and weeping uncontrollably and all these other people begin shouting with joy and celebrating all at the same time in the same moment looking at the same thing. What was the difference? See, that first temple was destroyed around 586, 87 B.C. And this next temple was emerging about 50 years later, around 537. So there was a generation of people that were still alive who saw the first temple. So when they saw the foundation of the second temple, they knew how to read the foundation. They did not want a foundation of a different future. They wanted a foundation that would give them the same past. So they began weeping because they knew that things would never be the same again. They were weeping because they were regretting what was lost and mourning what they once had. But the others were shouting with joy why they had never seen the first temple. See, all they knew were the stories of what the temple created. A place where God and humanity came together. See, all they knew were the stories of God because of the temple. They had never seen that temple. They always longed to experience what their fathers and grandfathers had experienced. So when they saw this foundation, they were not looking backwards to the past. They were looking forward to the future. And all they could do was shout with joy. You have to decide whether you're going to be focused on history or legacy. With what could have been or what must be. See, I think we're in a critical moment in human history. I, I think this is a moment where the church that has been is crumbling because its foundation is looking backwards. And God is establishing a new foundation of the church that's looking forward into the future because they're building on a foundation of sacrifice. And they're going to be able to say, love built this. I think that's why what we're doing together at Mosaic is so important. Because I don't want the church to be the reason why people don't trust Jesus with their life. We're not supposed to build walls. We're supposed to build foundations. We're not supposed to block people out and keep ourselves safe 
from an uncertain, chaotic world. We're supposed to build a foundation where we build a house where God and humanity can come together. We need to be the place where every Muslim and Buddhist and Hindu, every atheist and agnostic says, I don't even know about these people. I think they're out of their minds. But I know this, when you go to their house, we're at home because we belong there. See, I know this. When love builds it, there are no locks on the door. Everyone, everyone can find a place called home. I know that there's so much yet to be done. And I am so convinced that what we do now is going to have less effect on us than the generations to come. I hope long after we are dead and gone, maybe a hundred or a thousand years from now, There'll be people in this city and every place where we go where they go, you know, Jesus has changed everything for me. Because people we don't even know, people we don't even remember, people whose names were not even written down, they sacrificed and built a foundation. And they built a future. And what we know is that love built this. So what I'm going to ask you to do now is to build the foundation with me and Kim. To build the foundation with us. We're not asking you to do what we would not do. We're asking you to sacrifice. We're asking you to be generous. And by the way, this won't be the last time. We're going to do this every year until we're in the ground. Because until we take our last breath, we will be building a foundation for the future for those who have not yet taken their first breath. So what I want to ask you now is to give your money. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply to your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.